everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast on Rachel's Reviews. I'm so excited to be here today to be talking about your streaming services and trying to dig a little bit deeper as we do every week since the start of quarantine. We've been doing this. It's been really fun. And we are talking about HBO Max today. This is our third episode we've done on HBO Max. And uh, I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey, Rachel. So great to be with you once again. And we're matching. That's right. <laughs> like you just like before we jumped on, like like we were just you just noticed we're wearing like the same color shirt. And I'm like I'm wearing a Salt Life shirt, and I guess you're wearing yeah. like I want to say a it's, frozen. It's actually uh, it's actually a Hallmarkies podcast elf design that you can get on the Hallmarkies merch store. <laughs> uh, for artist Jessica Miller, she did a bunch of holiday themed designs last year for us, which was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I know we're just on the same, we're so connected today. Uh, and we're like, we... uh, we're like Hawk and Animal of the Legion <laughs> of Doom. All we need is like somebody to be our Paul Ellering and we would be set. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so how have you been? Uh, everything's been, uh, like, I, like I said in our live stream that we did a couple of days ago, like, this past August was just a great month for me. It's like everything's like everything's coming up roses and daffodils for me. It's just been it's been great stuff. And uh, I know everybody's and I know we're all still going through some hard times because of the virus and everything. But yeah, and I've struggled a lot as well. But keeping keeping that in mind, I've had a I've had a pretty good month of August and that momentum is uh, is still going. So I'm just I'm just thankful to you, Rachel, and to everybody watching at home just for supporting this podcast. It's been just, it's been a lot of fun. And I cannot believe it has been five months. Like these five months have just flown <laughs> by. And I've, I've been telling all of my friends, this year is simultaneously not going fast enough and slow enough yeah. all at the same time. Like forget about Einstein's theory of, of <laughs> approaching the speed of light slowing down time, approaching the year 2020 does. <laughs> yeah, it's like I say, the, the, the days drag, the weeks fly by. And I, I think that that's never been more true than 2020. And uh, we, yeah, we've had a pretty fun uh, last week. Uh, we, um, uh, we did a fun collab, a new thing on Saturday uh, with the Movie Nerds Club. Uh, where we did uh, our favorite Disney movies and we were both able to be a part of that as well as some of our friends. So definitely check that out. And uh, we're looking forward to, it was kind of funny uh, in our little chat, (laughs) we were trying to decide what to do for uh, October and uh, I had I had been off the Twitter for a little bit, and I come back, and everybody's everybody's teasing me on the chat because they wanted to do uh, horror horror films from 2010. And has Rachel seen five horror films from 2010? It's uh, horror I, horror movies from the 2010s, yeah, like that particular decade. And yeah. God bless Larry; he has <laughs> uh, he has a whip like. Uh, he has a whip-like yeah. wit to him. Yes, he does. He's so fun. And so, but I promise I have five. I, I, I <laughs> so it'll be really fun. Well, we're excited about that. Make sure y'all check out our videos uh, for that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so HBO Max, we are talking about today. And uh, HBO Max has had a pretty rocky start course they were going to lose all of the dc properties which was insane and then they lost harry potter and they lost um, it seems like every day there's something new that they've lost but uh uh yeah so but we wanted to start out by talking about uh a an original film that they have that we both got to watch uh with class action park and did you, have you heard about Class Action Park? I didn't hear about this documentary, this specific documentary, until you brought it to my attention, Rachel. But, uh, but I had known about Action Park through a, a video that we both watched and loved called Defunct Land. And, mm-hmm. uh, and when I watched this, because it was like a random night, it was like nine o'clock at night, and I just was like, uh, because I live near Orlando and like there's a theme park like for ev- ev- per every square mile over there. Mm. So I so I'm interested in like the history of theme parks and 
I and I was like, Action Park. Why have I never heard about this? So I clicked it and I watched it and I was just sitting there like, how did this get past even the planning stages? Like, what were these people thinking? And so with this documentary, it just, it, it's just like, it's like when I watched, uh, watched Firefest, Fe- Fire the, uh, the greatest party oh, yeah. that never happened on Netflix. It was like, all right, great idea on paper. Now you just need five years to just work out the kinks and make this work. Instead, they wanted to take five years of work and cram it into five months. And now the founder is in jail because of it. And it's just, it was just a mess. But mm. in terms of Class Action Park, like it was just, it was a very well put together documentary, but I was just sitting there like, these people, like they did, it was like the classic Jeff Goldblum quote from Jurassic Park. You all were too busy to think about whether you could do it and you didn't stop to think and ask whether or not you should. I'm sure I butchered that, but I'm sure <laughs> the, the quote rings true. Yes. But uh, but it's just, it was just one after another of what the heck were these people thinking? But this is, this is one of HBO's great strengths, at least for me. They put together some great documentaries. And on my list, I accidentally included two of them. I had no plans on it, but I was just looking through it. And I was just like, I have two documentaries on my list this week. It was like, oh, the, yeah. it was like on the Peacock video where I included both Matinee and King Ralph, which are two movies, st- two comedies starring John Candy from the early 90s. And it was a complete happy accident, but it, they somehow worked themselves. <laughs> they worked out. Yeah, I love documentaries like this. I mean, in general, I'm a pretty big documentary fan. Uh, and I, I don't know if that comes from going to Sundance every year and uh, a lot of times I end up seeing a lot of documentaries uh, there. I don't know. I, I've always been interested in the behind the scenes stories of people and uh, how things are made and how things are done and put together in the behind the scenes. And I, I've always loved stuff like that. And uh, so I love a, a documentary and you're right about Defunct Land. It is definitely one of the best YouTube channels out there it's so interesting he does such a good job with that uh, channel and he did an episode on action park and uh, the i think that this documentary does a pretty good job of showing the 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 kind of both sides of the action park that like what the appeal was and then also you know obviously the incredible danger um, and i especially like towards the end where they're talking about how the 80s was kind of the the last decade of of like freedom for children you know that that kids could just go and you know i mean i remember all the time go going over to my friend's house and and uh going over to the local there was a uh, just uh, the block behind us, there was the little market called Immigration Market. And we used to go uh, all the time by ourselves to go get stuff from my mom or or whatever. And that, nobody even thought anything of it. And now you'd be all nervous though. They're going by themselves. And, and I mean, I'm a big believer in free range kids. Uh, so there is a movement that uh, to try to bring that back for kids. But uh but I don't know, we become so like scared with I think school shootings and things like that have made us scared. And uh, the, the thing about something like Action Park is that, yeah, it was very dangerous, but like, but nine out of 10 times you'd be fine. And so you, so that, that's why it, I think it had the appeal of like, you did something kind of wild as a kid yeah and and even at the biggest theme parks like walt disney world in orlando or california or universal studios in orlando mm-hmm. or in uh, or in california there are rides there that are just like they seem like one step away from just being like being like stories in the news like i don't know about where it is at disneyland in california but over in in Walt Disney World in Orlando, there's a ride called the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, where you get in on mm-hmm. like this elevator and you go up and down and up and down and up and down. And, it, and it's like, it's like, thank God the cables are strong or else it'd be one of those things that snap and then you just all fall to their deaths. 
So, it, it, I, and yeah. to your point about, you know, about free range kids, Rachel, uh, from where I stand, I personally believe like, as long as I don't hear about you on the news, do whatever you want. But, um, mm -hmm. but there's definitely, there's definitely stuff to be worried about when it comes to kids. Like, I'm not saying you should like, be like, oh, I don't care, just go do whatever. But like, set guidelines and rules and like, don't do these certain things. Outside of that, do whatever you want. So yeah. there, there's risk there. But as long as, as long as you teach the kids not to do those bad things, then they should be fine. Because I think kids are a lot smarter than people get credit for. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, and it's not saying to be uh, irresponsible. Obviously, the action park was irresponsible. People are when people are dying and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I feel like in a way we've kind of hit the other extreme, and that's one thing that kind of worries me about about the the lockdowns and the closing of everything is that there's always going to be viruses there's always going to be things like you're never going to be able to be out in public and have no risk. And I get it. And I'm fully supportive of, of this unusual time uh, because of, of, you know, a, a pandemic that's very, very contagious. Um, that's more than our typical flus and things. I get that. But on the other hand, like the, the, I don't want to lose uh, permanently lose that sense of, uh, freedom that the of being of sort of taking that risk of being with other people uh, you know like we eventually we need to kind of and uh, maybe it won't be until we have a vaccine for covid i don't know it but I, I i i do worry a little bit that even once we have a vaccine there will be people who will struggle to kind of embrace that freedom again if that makes sense yeah, George Carlin, the legendary comedian, had a bit where he would uh, he would rant about how boring people are and like how people are are constantly afraid of germs nowadays. And and I won't say it here because there's a lot of coarse language in there. But his basic conceit is that once if you step outside, you're going to encounter germs and mean people and just a lot of bad stuff. But there's also a lot of good stuff too. It's really right up to your intuition and and your thinking and as long as you have a good head on your shoulders you should make it through just fine and yeah and and when it comes to your point rachel about there will always be viruses like that's why we have a thing in our body called an immune system and that's why i still drink cranberry juice to strengthen mine but that's another right. that's another <laughs> point for another time yeah but uh but yeah it's it, i i i'm afraid of that part of the lockdown too where people or people kids will lose that sense of like playing with each other but at the same time there will be other ways uh, to take another jeff goldblum qu quote life uh finds, life a, finds way. a way yeah i mean and that's what i kind of just appreciate about the class action park as a documentary is that is sort of the the exploration of of the appeal of the park you know sort of that that uh, the freedom that that people had uh, to do something crazy and risky and uh and so it, but then also obviously showing you know the people who lost loved ones and stuff is terrible so i thought it was a really uh interesting entertaining documentary about sort of uh why and also sort of why there's nostalgia for something like this is in in the something about the 80s that had that kind of freedom. Uh, so people should check it out. I think you really like it. Uh, and uh, so let's talk about uh, our selections for recommendations. We have my first one I, is, is actually uh, Get On Up. This is, I wanted to talk about this movie because I, in tribute to Chadwick Boseman, he of course passed away uh, this last couple of weeks. I couldn't remember if we'd mentioned it last week. I think we did maybe at the beginning, but, but uh, yeah, shocking, uh, very surprising. And this is a, a biopic about James Brown and uh, Chadwick Boseman does a great job of playing James Brown, who had so much personality and uh, it was such a loud character. And uh, I think this is a movie that, uh, that a lot of people haven't seen. 
Uh, and if you only seen him as Black Panther, you should definitely check out uh, Get On Up. Yeah, it's it was incredibly sad when I heard that uh, that Chadwick had passed away. Uh, he will always be the Black Panther in everyone's hearts, and that's an incredible legacy to uh, to leave behind uh, for future generations. But when Chadwick was announced that he was going to be Black Panther, uh, I was overjoyed because he had been in a couple of other movies that I absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. He was Jackie Robinson in 42, which is one of the best baseball movies in recent times. It's an incredible movie about the life of Jackie Robinson, who was one of the first, if not the first, uh, black baseball player in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. It's very well done. He was also in a little-known football movie called Draft Day, starring Kevin Costner. And uh, he has a great dynamic with him in that movie. And then, of course, there is Get On Up, which is, is one of those music biopics that I feel like nobody talks about. And I think more people should, because mm -hmm. they took a unique approach to that movie in that sometimes James Brown broke the fourth wall and said, said I've got a crazy life, and let me show you, show you what happened. And... And it was is definitely unique for sure. And Chadwick Boseman just disappears into this role. Like I don't see James, I don't see Chadwick Boseman playing James Brown. I see James Brown, you know, in the heh and <laughs> and get yeah. down with it. You know, it's like, wow, Chadwick Boseman must have just he must have had to watch hours of footage to get just the voice right. Yeah, because uh, it's it's not a simple role because he was a larger than life character. And uh, he was managed to be able to catch that. And, and Chadwick Boseman was really good at playing uh, these real life uh, characters, uh, whether it was in Marshall or in 42 or in Get On Up. And uh, so if you, haven't, if you haven't seen the movies, plus, I mean, it's just this great music, uh, James Brown. And uh, it also has Viola Davis, who's great, and Octavia Spencer. So people should check out uh, Get On Up. Yeah, and uh, one more note before we move on. The uh, the I'm Black and I'm Proud scene is worth the price of admission alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right, what's your first pick? So my first pick is from the DC animated movie universe, and it is called Justice League Doom. Uh, this, is, this tells the story of, well, the Justice League, and, uh, and they're taking on an immortal villain named Vandal Savage, who has been around since the beginning of time. Vandal Savage makes, a, I want to say, an Injustice League, or I'm sure it has a name, but, uh, but he forms the Justice League's biggest villains into one coalition to take down the Justice League by a list that Batman keeps with all of the Justice League's witness, or weaknesses including including Batman's own. And the basic moral, the moral dilemma of the movie is should Batman have that list at all? Because, and, and Batman justifies this by saying, what if one of the members of the Justice League goes off the reservation? We need to take them down before they do any significant damage. But at the same time, in the words of Sonny from iRobot, it just feels so heartless. And the movie is like just over an hour long, maybe like a skosh more, but it communicates a better Justice League story in that length of time than, than the Justice League movie we got three years ago, Snyder Cut aside. Uh, it's got a great voice cast. Uh, let me just pull up some of the names really quick because the DC, uh, the DC animated movies tend to, get, tend to get a pretty good voice cast. Uh, uh, Kevin Conroy voices Batman. I mean, we all know who he is and what he's done. Uh, Nathan Fillion voices Green Lantern. He's always a lot of fun. Michael Rosenbaum voices The Flash, and he is, mm -hmm. of course, he played Lex Luthor on Smallville. I have not seen Smallville, though I've heard nothing but good things about it, maybe except for the final couple of seasons. And it's actually an hour and 15 minutes, so just to get that out of the way. But it's a very underrated, uh, it's very underrated in terms of the DC animated universe movies, because I tend to be more forgiving when it comes to those. 
minus Killing Joke, because that movie is just unforgivable. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Rachel, have you seen this one by chance? I have not. I've not seen this one. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm in general a pretty big fan of the, uh, the DC animated films. I, with the exception of the recent, uh, uh, with, yeah, The Killing Joke and Batman and Harley Quinn, those two were absolutely atrocious. But uh, for the most part, I, I like uh, their films. So I'll have to check that out. That sounds interesting. There's a new Superman film. Uh, Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Yes. Uh, when I'm actually, I have it on order and I think that Stanford and I are going to, I'm assuming I like it. I think we're going to do that for, for obscure animation in this month. So that should be pretty fun. Uh, we had never done a, um, a, you know, superhero movie, uh, or DC movie on for the series, but, um, but yeah, this one sounds interesting too. Uh, yeah, they got I, Zachary Quinto as Lex Luthor. That's a great choice. Mm. uh and uh let's see alexandria daddario is lois lane that's another good choice mm. so yeah i gotta i gotta look into that because uh they've had some ones that are kind of okay but not really that memorable like they did uh i i believe i want to it's i believe it's apocalypse war and that was just okay so oh, but yeah. they've always done good with that. superman so here's to hope mm-hmm. for yeah i liked um justice league dark i thought that was pretty good um it was better than justice league (laughs) Uh, i think a lot of the movies are better than justice league but that's (laughs) neither here nor there very good all right well so my next pick is a i think a, a bit of an underrated kind of epic type movie called far and away and this is directed by ron howard and because he's done many many good films and it stars tom cruise and nicole kidman when they were still a couple so they have really nice chemistry and uh, they play these uh these immigrants these irish immigrants at the turn of the century uh that uh, come to america that's right during the irish potato famine and they uh, they are going to Oklahoma to there was a, a thing that that they gave away parcels of land to uh, frontiersmen and at least I think it's Oklahoma but it's the it's the prairies and they gave away parcels of land and there was a there was actually sort of a a, a race with wagons and and tons of people and horses and stuff and uh it's a pretty big spectacle and uh of them you know finding their land and then they stake their claim uh on on their land and and uh the the relationship between tom cruise and nicole kidman's character she's she's got the good irish accent and they both do a, a really good job and uh so and she looks beautiful in the movie so i don't know it's just a fun old-fashioned spectacle kind of entertainment that i think uh, that we've kind of forgotten about this one yeah it's strange because i had no idea that i had never heard of this movie until until you sent your list to me and i was i was looking it up because i tend to be a big fan of ron howard's work and tom cruise's work to be honest and this was this was around the time when Tom Cruise was like nearing the height of his powers. Like he had crushed the eighties and like, he had just, mm-hmm. just like turned out banger after banger after banger. And now it was, and like in the nineties, he was like experimenting with different things and, uh, and people were just flocking to see him. So I'm surprised that I had never heard of this before, but, yeah. um, but I'll definitely, I'll definitely be checking that one out because it just sounds fascinating. Yeah, and the I think it was the Oklahoma Land Rush, I think it was called, and it's just a really, really great sequence. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy. And yeah, uh, maybe when we do our um, follow-up episode, you'll have to let me know what you think. Uh, so right. What's your next pick? So my next pick, and this is the beginning of my accidental duology of HBO documentaries. Uh, so. Part one of this is uh, is Ali and Cavett's Tale of the Tapes. Uh, this is a documentary about the very special relationship between, of course, Muhammad Ali, one of the, if not the greatest boxer of all time, and Dick Cavett, who was one of the first late night talk show hosts ever. Like he and Johnny Carson are like the two that started it all. And 
the documentary is essentially about how Muhammad Ali, when he would go on on Dick Cavett's show, he would just turn into a completely different person. Like he was very, you know, quiet and soft-spoken. And this was coming from Muhammad Ali, who was, you know, like, I'm the greatest and just making all of these, all of these over-the-top claims. And of course he did back it up. Like he's the greatest of all time, but like it was complete night and day. He would go from like the loud, boisterous, you know, like the champ is here and all of that to going on Dick Cavett's show and just being very humble and quiet and, and just, he, he didn't seem like he was talking to a late night talk show host. He was talking to a friend. And Dick Cavett is incredibly underrated as an interviewer and as a talk show host. I've seen multiple interviews he's done with the likes of Orson Welles and Alfred Hitchcock and Hugh Hefner. And just, he was, he was absolutely wonderful. And so it's, this documentary is just, it's really underrated and it highlights a friendship between two unlikely people, like, like just who would in any other situation be like just on the opposite ends of each other, but off and on when they would come on and they would be on the show together, they just like, they, they talked to each other like they had been friends for years and it was a beautiful thing to see. I, uh, I had not heard of this documentary, but I loved, like I said, I love documentaries like this. Uh, it sounds kind of like in the spirit of 30 for 30, the ESPN series. Uh, this sounds really, really interesting. So I'll definitely have to have to check that out. All right. Well, my next choice is a bit of a nostalgic choice for me. Uh, it is uh, Anastasia. This is the animated film uh, from, this is from Fox. Uh, in uh, their their attempt to uh, to appeal to the Disney Renaissance uh, viewers, and uh, it's one that I really loved. Uh, I, I was in high school when it came out. I love the romance between Anya and Dimitri. I think it's done really well. I love the animation and I love the music. Uh, it's not without its flaws. Rasputin is is kind of a groaner of a villain but it's enough kind of silly that i uh that i uh kind of enjoy it <laughs> but i get the complaints especially because she's he's like a real person you know and so the way that they i mean it's it's really ridiculous but i don't know i just i really like it i really like uh, meg ryan and john cusack in the uh their speaking roles they had different people doing the singing but you know Angela Lansbury Christopher Lloyd uh are having a lot of fun and I I don't know I just love it I like I said I have a lot of nostalgia for this one um and I I think it's one of the better films that Don Bluth has done that uh it, the animation is I think probably the best just pure animation that he's done and then you know Secret of Nim is probably his best movie but I, I really like this this animation and I mean I love musicals so it's gonna go a long way for me um have you ever seen this I have actually and I uh and my feelings are very similar to yours although I will uh have to disagree slightly with your thing on Rasputin I think he's fine it's it's his little sidekick uh Bartok voiced by Hank Azaria that that I'm not a fan of. It's, okay. it's like the voice is like, yes, Rasputin. I, I, I'm, I, I butchered <laughs> it, but I'm sure you all understand my point. Yeah. But this is, this is definitely, uh, this is definitely very underrated, especially from Don Bluth, who was the guy who showed that, hey, Disney ain't all it's cracked up to be. Like, in my opinion, he made like, like the holy trinity of like non-Disney or DreamWorks animated films. Like, and outside yeah. of like, at least in America, Secret of Nim, an American tale, and and the Land Before Time. Yeah. Like he was, like he was one of those guys, like in the late seventies and early eighties, who was just like, all right, all right, Disney, I'm gonna take you on, and he did for a while. And Disney had to really up their game because of Don Bluth. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was, it's a fascinating story. There's several videos on like the Disney dark ages on YouTube that I just love watching. And just when the brain drain started to happen, Don Bluth was one of the first victims and he was like, nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. And he <laughs> would just, he just turned himself into a legend. 
yeah i mean we would not have had the disney renaissance if it wasn't for don booth uh because he his movies pushed disney to be better uh and to compete uh when he did secret of nim and american tale and like you said land before time and uh, we i don't think we would have gotten the little mermaid if it wasn't for don booth making better films for a little while and then he went through a pretty rough patch for a couple of years were some not great movies and uh and then that and then he did anastasia which i i just always have loved and uh so yeah it's it's one of my it's one of my nostalgic favorites and yeah he also he also directed titan a and e which is a movie that i've always enjoyed but yeah i actually haven't i've never seen that believe it or not I, I I want to see it, but I, I I've actually never seen that one. Yeah, it's uh, I wouldn't say it's underrated, but I just like people always like always hate on it, and I just like I've never understood why. Like it, it's competently made, it's a good story, but it just mm-hmm. it was like people are like treating it like it ran over somebody's dog or something. I'm just like, no, it's not even close to being that bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not like Eight Crazy Nights or something like that. Some atrocity. Um, so what's your next pick? So this is the, uh, the second part of my accidental HBO documentaries duology. It's, uh, Michigan versus Ohio State, the rivalry. I love, uh, I love documentaries that HBO does when they're narrated by Leo Schreiber. I know him more for voicing those documentaries than for a lot of his acting roles because he just has like the perfect narration voice. Like, like he just hits everything perfectly but uh michigan versus ohio state the rivalry is about the rivalry between the football teams at ohio state university and the university of michigan uh they have been feuding on the football field pretty much since the 1890s i believe in the documentary they say it outlasted it started before the first world series and way before the super bowl even before it was like the uh, NFL versus AFL championship. So it's been going a long time. And the documentary does a great job of showing that, that both teams have had successful periods and, and very down periods. And, uh, and they do a great job of highlighting the period where the rivalry was the hottest and which is called the 10 year war, which was contested between two head coaches, uh, Ohio State's football coach, Woody Hayes, and Michigan's coach, Bo Schembechler. And Schembechler was Woody Hayes' protege, so it was like master and student going at it on the second week of November every year for about a 10-year period. And it's, it's one of the best times in college football history. And it's, uh, and it's also fascinating just to hear some of the stories that each other would do to like one-up each other. Like Woody Hayes one time ordered these shoes that he thought were water resistant and it turns out he got scammed. And it's just, it's simultaneously tragic and hysterical all at the same time because Woody Hayes was this big bombastic personality and just to see him get owned like that is just, it's weirdly kind of funny, but the documentary does it better justice than what I just did. Uh, but to put the period at the end of the sentence, uh, when HBO does a sports documentary, they do go all out with it. Uh, I'll definitely be bringing up more as as we continue on with this podcast. But uh, but some of my other favorites are Do You Believe in Miracles about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team that beat the Soviets and and the rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and just, I could go on. But Rachel, have you heard of this one? I had not heard of this one. Of course, I've heard of the rivalry uh, that uh, being, I served my mission in Indiana. So I was kind of close to, you know, Ohio, so Midwest, you hear about, hear about all these rivalries. And, uh, and I know it's, it's very, very intense. Uh, and uh, that, I think it'd be kind of nice to watch this because, uh, you know, we're not, we don't have, we're, I don't think we're going to get much um, college football, if if any. I don't know what's going on this year, but the uh, sort of, I think it'd be kind of comforting a way to watch the, kind of like the last dance was was comforting to watch. Uh, and I, I tend to uh, be a bigger fan of sports documentaries than I am of even sports. So <laughs> so I think yeah, I'll enjoy especially, it. Uh, especially nowadays, it seems, where it seems like they're doing everything but the sports part. 
Yeah. Uh, then the uh, 30 for 30s are so good. And, and I agree with you also, the HBO uh, documentaries uh, are also very good. They're kind of following the same uh, path. So I'll definitely check that out. Sounds really good. Uh, so, all right. Well, my next choice is a romantic comedy and a Christmas movie all in one. So perfect for me. Um, in heaven right now. Yeah, that's right. It is Last Holiday starring Queen Latifah, who I love. And she's she's really good. And this is about a woman who she's she's basically like not living a full life. She's making these delicious meals and then not eating them and eating lean cuisine because she's trying to, you know, lose weight and but she uh, she has all these things that she wants to do. She's working in this job uh, and with L Cool J as her boss, but she's basically treated terribly and she just is not happy in her life. Uh, well, she finds out that she only has like a month to live or whatever. And turns out as her records were me- messed up and she actually isn't sick. I guess, spoiler alert. Um, but uh, she she decides that she's going to have this dream holiday uh, weekend because uh, or week that uh, since she doesn't she doesn't have much time left. And so she goes to like Switzerland or someplace like that. And she uh, she eats all the fancy French food. She uh, she goes and rides the 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 difficult black diamond or whatever and she she takes risks that she would not have normally taken before and and uh, it's really sweet and heartwarming and uh yeah i think people should i think you really like it yeah this movie is just wonderful i have seen it so many times it's not even funny it's just it's such a it's such a nice movie it's uh it's not going to change the game in terms of filmmaking or storytelling but what it lacks in that, it makes up for in just some memorable characters, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Queen Latifah is wonderful as Georgia Bird. Like, like you said, she's incredibly conservative at the start, but when she cuts loose, like, it's just so fun to watch. Like, she orders the entire secret menu at the restaurant that she is eating at, and it's like just the most, it's like a binging with Babish video. It's the most delicious thing you've ever seen in your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And LL Cool J is great in this as well. Timothy Hutton is in there, who has been an actor for a very long time. And one of my favorite Oscar winner, one of my favorite Oscar winners of Ordinary People, where he won an Oscar for that. Uh, and Giancarlo Esposito is in there as a senator. And for the longest time, I was like, as I was watching Breaking Bad, I was like, okay, this guy playing Gus Fring sounds so familiar. Where have I seen him? Sure enough. He was the senator in Last Holiday. And I was like, wow, he was so nice in that show. And now he's so evil here. Why? Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he's such a nice guy. Like, I would vote for that guy, regardless of party. Like, I'm sure you'd do it better than a lot of the other people in there. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, it's just, like you said, it's just a it's just a very fun movie about a woman who just realizes I don't have much time left, so I got to live my life while I still have it. It's like the quote from Shawshank, you either get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. And and Queen Latifah is so warm and lovely. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know why this one isn't kind of more talked about as a really lovely little uh, romantic comedy, but I, it's definitely, I think, worth worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, what I like about this character is that not only is she very warm and lovely, like you mentioned, but she can also, like, she's not going to be walked all over. Like, when she yeah. quits her, like, when she quits her job at that... Well, she grows. That, yeah, exactly. And and when she quits her job, it's, like, one of those, it's one of the most satisfying, like, I quit moments that I've seen in any movie ever. It's It's, like... It's mm-hmm. like one of those, like the guy tries to put on like a motivational CD and she snaps it in half. I'm like, that's wonderful. And and mm-hmm. and when the and when Alicia Witt's character, Miss Burns, is on the massage table and she is like, This hurts. Why are you hurting me so much? Like Georgia just like gets up off of her table, waddles over there, and she is like, She you are paying this woman to massage your back, and this is the thanks that you give her. And 
paraphrasing, but I'm sure you understand yeah. my meaning. Yeah. And, and she just like chews this woman out. And I'm like, shout out to you for standing yeah. up for all the massage people in this world. <laughs> yeah, just people working and trying their best. And, and talking about this, we, I really should do an episode of this movie for, um, for Homeworkies podcast because there's a lot to talk about actually with this one, I think. Uh, so I look forward maybe uh, as a bonus um, this uh, holiday season, maybe we'll talk about a uh, last holiday over at All Murky's podcast. Uh, maybe we but, can get in touch with director Wayne Wong and we can do a watch along like we did with Twinkle all the way. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Uh, so what's your next pick? So my penultimate pick is a TV show from the wonderful people, uh, William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. It is Johnny Quest. Uh, mm -hmm. This is this was a show from the late 1960s, and this is one of my father's favorite TV shows. And he showed it to me growing up, and it was just something that I that I fell in love with as well. Uh, it's the story of a doctor named Dr. Benton Quest, who uh, has a son named Johnny, and he has. Uh, I, I want to say a brother, but it's more of like an adopted brother named Haji, and uh, they and they have um, and they have a bodyguard slash teacher named Race Bannon, and and the show is uh, is basically about how Doctor Quest is always asked by a government or the U.S. government to help out with various missions, and they go to these exotic locales to help out with something in archaeology or espionage or whatever. And they always get involved with a dastardly villain. It like it happens every time. It's very, it's very formulaic. But what it what it makes up for with the formulaic stuff, it makes up for in just some wonderful animation and just some of some of the most action packed animation television you'll probably ever see. Uh, like I said, this was created by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, who have. Created, who created way too many animated shows to go into, at least on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but they also created The Flintstones, which was one of the first primetime animation shows ever. It created just so many other animated shows up to this day. Uh, it cre they created The Jetsons and Johnny Quest, like I mentioned, and Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear and just like I said, I could go on and on. I, actually, mental note, I should probably make a Hanna-Barbera tribute video at some point because I'm a big fan of theirs, mm -hmm. but side road. Uh, Johnny <laughs> Quest is, uh, is, there's definitely some parts that are of the times, but outside of that, it's held up tremendously well. Mm -hmm. And at least to the point where they got a reboot, if you want to call it, in the 90s called The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, oh. which minus the horrible CGI, still does hold up to this day. So mm -hmm. Johnny Quest has definitely definitely flown under the radar. I, I Cool. Yeah, I've never seen an episode of, I, my Hanna-Barbera uh, cred is pretty low. I, that's, it's, it's, a, it's just the, uh, probably the, the brand of, of uh, animation that I'm the least knowledgeable on. Like I, I famously have never seen an episode of Scooby-Doo. I, <laughs> I somehow I just missed the whole Hanna Barbera uh, train. Um, so that's something I need to work on. But uh, it sounds like there's a lot a, of fun. There's a part of me that wants to recommend we do like Boomerang, the streaming service there. But as Ooh. someone who grew up watching the Boomerang Television Network and now how it's just pale shell of its former self nowadays i kind of don't want to out of protest mm. so i'm just i'm torn <laughs> yeah well my last choice is uh also a spy kind of movie but it's uh spies in disguise uh, and i was surprised to see this on hbo max because i just assumed it would be coming to disney plus since they own Blue Sky now. So I was sort of surprised that it was on HBO Max. But uh, this movie, I'm not going to say it's like the most memorable film to ever exist, but I think that it's charming and uh, it's got Will Smith and Tom Holland. And the part of I didn't like about the movie was I don't like that he turned into a bird, but there's still enough to, to like as far as sort of a spy movie for kids. And I liked the message of peace and 
uh, nonviolence, I think is really good for kids to see. And I think the animation is really nice. Some of the voice casting is a little weird, like why they have Reba McIntyre playing one of the FBI. Like it's just a little strange, but, uh, but uh, it's, it's pretty fun. The action is fun and it has some nice humor and particularly the Tom Holland character. And like I said, him, his, his belief in nonviolence uh, is pretty, pretty cute. Uh, so um, do you see this? I meant to in theaters, but I didn't get the chance to because that December was pretty busy for me. So it was yeah, it was one of those things that just definitely I I definitely missed. But I, but I do want to go back and take a look at it. And I'm a I'm actually a, I'm actually a Reba McIntyre fan. So. Oh, I absolutely love Reba. I just thought it was a sort of a strange choice. She's such an iconic voice for her to be playing this. Um, uh, McIntyre FBI. Yeah, I just thought it was sort of a strange, <laughs> a strange choice for for this uh, agent. I don't know, maybe. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I absolutely love. I love Reba. But um, next thing you know, Dolly know. Parton will be a part of the CIA. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Was just so strange to make such an iconic voice to play like this uh kind of stuffed shirt type character uh was was strange but um yeah she did fine so uh, i guess it's it's a it's fine my may i really don't like most of the stuff with the birds but i it has enough positives to outweigh the things i didn't like about it yeah uh, george Strait will be in the nsa <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> uh all right what's your last pick so my last pick is from 2007. It's one of uh, it's one of my uh, it's one of those movies that I absolutely love, but nobody else does, I think. And it's called August Rush, and uh, and this was directed by Kristen Sheridan. It was written by Nick Castle, who also wrote he also wrote Major Pain and Escape from New York in his career. And just the <laughs> the dynamic, just knowing that this guy wrote. A goofball military comedy in major pain, a very serious post-apocalyptic movie in Escape from New York, and August Rush is just <laughs> like one of those, I'm um, just like, wow, that is quite a range. Yeah, he's but, got um, variety there. But August Rush is about a young boy who calls himself August Rush, who is an orphan and he runs away to New York City to try and find his parents, and he is incredibly gifted in music. And it turns out his parents, who through a series of events that I will not spoil in case anyone has not seen this movie, uh, they get separated and and each other goes on to live to live their lives to varying degrees of success. But there's a hole in their hearts that they cannot fill and they do not know why. But through a series of other events, they eventually end up in the same city and in the same vicinity as each other. And by the end, they all end up together as a happy family. And the cast in this movie is just great. Uh, Freddie Highmore is in there, who has done a lot more TV lately than actual movies, but he's been in Bates Motel and he's on a recurring show on ABC called The Good Doctor, which, which I've seen a few episodes of and have enjoyed. Uh, Carrie Russell is in there, who was under a hood in uh, in in the rise of Skywalker, but mm. was a part of the Americans and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and a bunch of other smaller movies. And she's really good. I'm a big fan of hers. Jonathan Rice Myers is in there too, and Terrence Howard's in there, and a gr- another great performance from the late Robin Williams. May he rest in peace. Oh, I forgot he was and in that. He actually taps into a little bit more of his sinister side. Like it's not the typical Robin Williams, like laugh a minute, Robin Williams. This definitely toned down, but this is tap- tapping into more of like the one-hour photo, Robin Williams, or maybe a- even a little bit of the Good Morning Vietnam, Robin Williams. Mm. He plays a villainous role and. It's very weird if you just know Robin Williams for being, you know, like, like Patch Ad- or not Patch Adams, but um, Mork mm-hmm. and Mork and Mindy or like more of his other comedic mm-hmm. stuff. He yeah. does a great job, but it's definitely against type. The movie is just, it's very heartwarming. It's, it's just, it's got a great message and it's got beautiful music done by good people too. So mm-hmm. definitely check it out if you haven't. 
Yeah, I will definitely have to watch this one. I actually haven't seen this movie. I've I remember when it came out and uh, and hearing good things, but it's just one of those ones I've never never seen. So I'll have to definitely, definitely be definitely be up your alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds really good. Great cast. So uh, very good. Well, we did it. I think it's a very solid uh, ten movies there that people can see. Plus action, class action park. So uh, yeah. You can have a pretty fun, pretty fun weekend, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So let us know what you're watching on HBO Max. What uh, have you been enjoying over there? And uh, what you think of any of these films that we've talked about. I'd love your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. And uh, Ryan, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. And of course, I, my uh, YouTube channel, Ryan Cam's Movie Reviews. Uh, I just uh, released my review for Tenet, which that was a lot of fun to record. Yeah. And just like, it was a movie that I had to think like several days of till I finally like fine tuned it in my head. So it was definitely a labor of love. And like I said, I'm a part of the Movie Nerds Club that comes out once a month. So definitely subscribe to that. And of course the AFI project, uh, I, before I jumped on with you, Rachel, I was editing the, uh, the video for the best years of our lives. And mm -hmm. then, of course, there's Sound of Music and King Kong and Treasure in the Sierra Madre and just a lot of others. Plus, I've got a big series in the works coming up for October revolving around Halloween. So without like getting on my knees or e-bagging or anything like that, if you have not subscribed, now is like as best a time as ever to go do so because... I'm working very hard on it. Uh, I've got, like, I feed off this. I live off this. And it just, like, it's it's just been, it's been a lot of fun working on the channel. Anyway, I'll step yeah. down from the soapbox and pass it off to you, <laughs> Rachel. But it just, yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited now. Yeah, you all need to subscribe. It's good stuff. Really good. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, we have a lot of good stuff going on for Rachel's reviews. This week we have... Uh, we'll have had our uh, female film critics panel on Wednesday. Uh, so make sure you listen to that. Uh, I, I know it's going to be really great. Yeah, a lot of other fun stuff. So check that out. And also at the Hallmarkies podcast, we have another great week. Uh, this last week, we I had Marissa Serafini on where we talked about all five versions of the parent trap. Uh, there's lots of fun stuff happening over at, uh, at Hallmarkies podcast. We're going to be doing a special bonus episode uh, with my friends from K-pop converters. We're going to be talking about K-dramas. Uh, next week so we have a lot of fun stuff happening it's kind of a nice in-between month where we don't really have a whole lot to cover so we we can talk about some out-of-the-box stuff over at hallmark's podcast so anyway a lot of fun stuff so thanks so much and we'll talk to you all later bye everyone bye <laughs>